Turn with me to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I want to begin tonight uh, with, uh, with a few series of uh, messages on Wednesday night. I don't know how long I'll go with it. But uh, concerning the model prayer. Everybody say the model prayer. We want to look at this very, very familiar portion of Scripture um, uh, out, of this, uh, out of this chapter 6. And we want to talk about this prayer that no doubt every one of you probably already know by heart. Uh, you've probably even recited it before in, in your prayers. Um, usually once a week on Tuesday mornings, the ministers of, of, of Blava will get together. There's several of us, five or six of us that have come together. Sister Vera James, who many of you know in our city community, is very faithful to attend our prayer. And almost every time that she gets ready to pray, she'll start her prayer off with this scripture. Our Father, which art in heaven. And, uh, and, and then she, she goes on to pray. Great, great lady. But we want to talk about that tonight. Uh, we, 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 we may recite it a lot. We may, we may pray that prayer. But uh, do we really understand what it means? And so we want to look at that over the next few weeks uh, concerning the model prayer. So let me say one more time as you're turning to Matthew chapter 6, look at verse number 9, that it is, it is good to, to have all of you tonight, and we appreciate you coming, coming out on Wednesday night. Matter of fact, Dwayne and I was talking the other day, it's, uh, I appreciate you coming because our Wednesday night crowd is picking up. And uh, I don't know if it's the, the, the singing or my preaching is getting better. I'm not sure which one. I'm going to lean on the preaching's getting better. Uh, you know, those guys on the singing, they may lean on the singing's getting better. I don't know. But anyway, we'll have a good time. And uh, I, love, I love Wednesday night. We just get to slow down a little bit and talk a little bit and just to share, uh, sort of a Bible study style. So Matthew chapter 6, look at verse number 9. The Bible says, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Everybody say amen. When you look at this scripture here in, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, there's also another familiar scripture in John chapter, John chapter 3 verse, uh, verse 16 that says, For God so loved the world that, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. When you look at those two scriptures, and also you can take into, into consideration Psalms 23, that probably these three portions of scriptures, if not some more, but those probably are the three most quoted, the three most known scriptures that we all know when, when, a, when a minister starts speaking about it or when somebody else starts speaking about it, we all know exactly where they're going because we're very familiar with, uh, with this, uh, this scripture. They're probably known by more people than any other passage of scripture. Uh, many churches and uh, many churches will recite, uh, recite this prayer uh, in Matthew chapter 6 almost every Lord's Day as part of their normal uh, uh, routine, I guess, or their normal tradition, their normal liturgy, as when they start when they start praying, or when it's almost an every Sunday thing. Uh, for some, you may look at the the term "Our Father," and when you when you say that, if if you uh, and and sort of just grant me a little leeway here, if you will, if if there's a certain way that I say that, if I get in the microphone real deep, "Our Father," that has a certain churchy feel, doesn't it? I mean, it sort of sounds holy, our Father. And if you get a guy up here that's really got that deep voice, like a T.L. Lowry kind of guy, 
I mean, you, we got some guys in the church of God, and I'm sure they're in every denomination, but there's some guys in, in our denomination that, that can recite this prayer, and you'd almost feel like God is coming when they, when they read the Scripture. I mean, they just have that voice, and they have that, that projection about them that, that it's almost you can just feel the goosebumps on your back when, whenever you begin saying this. But there's actually folk that feel like that when they recite this, it's some sort of a, a, a ritual or a magic saying, if you will, just to, just to invite the Lord's presence into the house. Now, I'm going to stop here long enough and just let you know this. I don't have a magic formula to invite God's presence in the house. All, only thing I've got is this. You just call him, and he's there. We know that he's there. Just call him daddy. Just call him father. Whatever. However you want to view it, however you want to call it, he's just faithful. He is there. Matter of fact, this past Tuesday morning, I was sitting, Carol, right where you're sitting, right there, and I was sitting down, and the other folks was praying, and it became my turn to pray, and I began to pray, and, and I've got to be honest with you, I didn't really feel anything supernatural or feel a, a necessarily a presence of God, but somewhere around the third quarter of my prayer, and it wasn't that long of a prayer, something moved in in the house. Something moved in my spirit and I and all of a sudden I had to stop praying because I couldn't quit crying because God's presence just moved in. That's that's what we're talking. There's no simple a magic formula. Just just invite his presence in. Amen. How many knows what I'm talking about? That there's moments that you get down to pray and you pray your whole entire prayer, no matter if it takes you five minutes, ten minutes, thirty minutes, whatever, and you never feel anything. You ever done that before? Raise your hand. I want to see it. I want to see you. I don't know if I'm the only one. But how many also has prayed the prayer that you can sit down or stand up and you can open up your mouth and just get one syllable out and all of a sudden, I will tell you, he's there. You don't, you don't have to worry. I love it when that happens because you know why? Prayer becomes easy when that happens. Prayer is not a problem anymore. It's, I mean, it's not a chore anymore. And prayer is tough at times. Prayer is hard. It's not an easy thing. The Lord wants us to pray. Matter of fact, if you remember in Scripture, he, he asked Peter, James, and John, I want you to come with me, and I want you to pray with me. Those guys couldn't even hang with him. They fell asleep on, this, on, on Jesus. They, they couldn't hang with him because if everybody could pray, we probably would pray. But, but I want to tell you, prayer is a hard thing. And, and there's many times you've got you've to work at your prayer, but when Jesus shows up and his anointing shows up, now, don't, don't take it that, that just because you may not feel anything that your prayer is useless. Uh-uh. Your prayer is very vital. Your prayer is very useful to the kingdom. He hears every word that you say, every, every word, every syllable he hears. Sometimes we just got to get out of the way. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I got all kind of things going through my mind sometimes when I pray. I've got all kind of emotions that I feel maybe when I pray, depending on what type of day that we had when we pray. You know what I'm talking about. So, so we've got to get through some stuff. But there are people that can say that our Father in some sort of a magic saying just to, just to guarantee the heaven will open up, if you will. And, and clearly, when you look at the Scripture, that's not the Lord's intent. The context here alone would clue us into that. But, but and the reason is, when you look back up in verse number 7 and verse number 8 of, of chapter 6 watch this the Bible says and when you pray it did not say if you pray it says when you pray which ought to clue us in that the Lord expects us to pray prayer needs to be an everyday thing with you no, you don't have to come to church and walk around here and, 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 and holler at the top of your lungs. You don't have to do that. That's not what I'm talking about. You don't have to, you don't have to get in a prayer closet at home and, unless you want to do that. That's not, but everywhere that you go, you can have prayer on your, on your heart. Everywhere that you go. But there are those times and those moments that I think it's very, very important for us to pull away 
and get alone with God and pray. Jesus did that. Many times he had to pull away and get alone with God, just spend some time with him, just to, just to share with him. We, and, and so that's important. But, but Matthew says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you have need of before you ask him. Some become some becomes contentious, if you will, arguing that this really isn't the Lord's prayer. I don't know if you ever heard that before, but, but, but there's another scripture in John chapter 17 verse 1 that many people say well they they think this is the Lord's prayer the Bible says this in John 17 said and after Jesus said this he looked toward heaven and he prayed father the hour has come glorify your son that your son may glorify you for you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those that you have given him now this is eternal life that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent now that's a wonderful prayer as well. Every one of us needs to pray that prayer as well, but the Lord's prayer is, is, is just in Matthew chapter 6. The, the scripture relates to that. It talks to us about that. It talks to us about the highly uh, priest uh, of the Lord and, and, and how he taught us to pray and all of that, uh, spoken the night on, uh, before he went to the cross and all of those things. And so we know that this is the Lord's prayer, but we've got to be taught. The Lord, many times, as one of the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. They've been with this guy for, for many days and many weeks, but Lord, we want you to teach us to pray. Teach us how to say what we need to say. Teach us how to do the things. And, I, and I've prayed those prayers. Lord, I don't know how to come out sometimes, and I don't know how to come in, and, and I don't know, I don't have a direction that I need. Lord, teach me what to do. Teach me how to pray. Teach me how to, how to go about my daily routine and be responsible for those people that may come into my life. And so if we're not taught the right way, we tend to drift into all sorts of distortions. We, we tend to d- uh, drift into all sorts of perversions of what real praying is all about. Now, every one of us in here is guilty of this thing right here because we probably all have done it. Matter of fact, I've done it this afternoon. This afternoon when we got to the house uh, and right before we come to church, we sat down at the table, we got ready to eat, and it's my job to pray. And so this is my prayer. Lord, I want to thank you for this day. I thank you for your many blessings. I pray that you bless this food, make it an earth in our bodies as our bodies is to your service, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. That's not a bad prayer. But if I'm not careful, I'll pray that prayer every time I sit down to eat. How many ever been guilty of that? <laughs> we, we, we'll make that prayer, and, and I catch myself, if I'm, at, if I'm at a state meeting or if I'm with some other guys, and, 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 and they pray, I'll catch myself, if they don't pray a short prayer, I'm like, what's wrong with you guys, man? Come on, it's time to eat. I'm I'm just being honest with you. We get so used and so accustomed to those things. But really, really, we've got to to retrain, Sister Jeanette, who we are and reteach ourselves really how to pray, how to be thankful. I mean, really being thankful for what you've got. I mean, it doesn't take you long, Carol, when you go to Honduras. It don't take you long to be thankful, does it, about what you've got back here in the States. It doesn't doesn't take you long. Matter of fact, I don't think I ever prayed a prayer over there. Thank you, Lord, for the food. Bless it. And, you know... I mean, we, we prayed. We prayed we didn't get sick. We prayed everything that the hands that touched it was clean. We prayed that everything was going to be all right. I mean, everything. You really, you wanted to cover the whole gamut of things, you know. But if we're not careful, these things will become a tradition to us if, 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 if we're not careful. And so the Lord, Lord wants to teach us how to pray. Historically, when you look at this, when you look at this prayer, some, some have said with good reason that this is, this is the prayer to end all prayers. When you really think about it. 
Matter of fact, you go back in the 4th century and Augustine said this. He said, run through all the words of the holy prayers and I do not think you'll find anything in them that is not contained in the Lord's Prayer. He's probably right. In the 13th century, St. Thomas said this. He said he called it the most perfect of all prayers. When you go to the 2nd century, Tertullian said this. He called it the summary of the whole gospel, the prayer, this, this, uh, this Lord's Prayer, the summary of the whole gospel. When you look in the 4th century of St. John Christendom, he said this, one of the probably one of the greatest preachers, the early church uh, leaders of that day uh, noted that the Lord's Prayer is rightly used in corporate prayer because Jesus did not say, my Father who art in heaven, but rather he said, our Father who art in heaven, which encompasses every one of us. Our Father which is in heaven. Our Father. He's not, he's not my dad's father or Keith's father or, or sister. He's our Father together. When we met here on Monday night and, and we had over 25 people to show up for prayer, a little more than that matter of fact, but I know at least 25 was here, had a wonderful time of prayer. And I would encourage you, if, there, if, there, if there's moments that you need to, we need to come together, it's these special prayer times. And we don't do this but two or three times of a month, so probably you ought to be able to make at least one of these. I encourage you to come out, push aside being tired, push aside of, of what's going on and, co- and come out to pray. Those are the kind of prayers that's going to bring the glory of God in the house. Those are the kind of prayers that, that, that we need corporately to, to invite the presence of God where souls will come in. And we go around and we anoint and we lay hands on all these pews. And Pastor, why, why, do you, why do you touch the pew? Why do you lay hands on the pew? We just use it as a point of contact because somebody may come in on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or whenever it may be, sit down in one of those pews and they can sense and feel the presence of God like we've been talking about tonight. And we want that to happen. We want God's power to move through those prayer times. But these early leaders said, said this, was a, this, was, this was probably the prayer of all prayers. The Lord's Prayer as you know, is part of that Sermon on the Mount series in Matthew and, and, and probably the most foundational uh, teaching, if you will, as far as the Lord, the, 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 uh, the Sermon on the Mount that, that Jesus gave to his disciples, those red-letter editions, those red-letter words, if you will. And I think Brother Danny shared with me uh, Monday, he was here at the prayer meeting, that he's doing a series now at Rudder Road of all the sayings that Jesus uh, had on that red letter. I told him, I said, man, that could take three or four years to get that series done. I don't know if people will stay with you that long, but I'm sure he'll speed it up. But really, when you think about it, all the things that Jesus said, man, you could preach on that for a long time. You could, for a long time, those things that just Jesus said. And so, so it's part of that Sermon on the Mount series in Matthew, and it's probably one of the most foundational teachings that the Lord ever taught and ever, ever gave to his disciples. And uh, it's the, if you want to look at it this way, it, it, we, we know it as sort of the root of our Christian experience, the root of our Christian life. And uh, it's, 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 uh, it, it's, it's, not, it's not so much about a, uh, necessarily a formula for prayer, or necessarily even for about a particular ritual for prayer when you pray this. But it's, a, it's, it's, about, a way of, it's about a way that we need to look at our Christian walk, a way that we need to uh, you know, exemplify who we are in Christ Jesus, our Father who are in heaven. Who are we trying to please? We're trying to please our Father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. We're going to go over some of those things because we're worshiping him and we want to be like Christ. We want people, when they look at us, we don't necessarily want them to see us, but we want them to see Jesus that's, that's flowing out of us and through us through the through the ministry here, and so uh, and so looking starting tonight, we want we want to look at this Lord's prayer a little bit, and uh, we'll have other lessons about it. But I want I want to give you a very brief survey, and I've got to hurry tonight to even get through this. A brief survey of the prayer. 
And we'll look at it phrase by phrase. But this Lord's Prayer outlines, when you think about it, it outlines the values. It outlines the principles. It outlines the priorities that make a possible lifestyle that we know how to walk in our Christian walk. If we'll just follow the Scripture. If we'll just follow what the Scripture says in the Lord's Prayer even. Now, there's a lot of other Scriptures. But if we'll just follow what it says, I promise you our life would be a whole lot easier. It really will. There are some things in here that that the Lord teaches us, even in the red letter edition. There's some things that he teaches us and tells us things that we do need to do, some guidelines that we need to follow, some prayers that we need to pray, things that that he outlines for us, and all of these things that we need to look at. And so we'll look at some of those phrase by phrase. I don't know if you, some of you may have traveled over to the west, and uh, you, you've traveled over in Colorado, Wyoming, things like that, but there's a little thing over there called the Continental Divide. Anybody, anybody ever been over the Continental Divide? I've not been over that far, but, but I've heard about it and read about it and, and saw it and all that. But I, I looked this up the other day concerning, I thought about this, and, and I looked this up, uh, you know, when you drive across Colorado and Wyoming, uh, you, you'll, you'll pass a lot of markers that, to, that, is, that, that says this is the Continental Divide and all of that. But, but, but what theoretically, this is what it is, is a point that marks the place where the watershed divides. If water comes down or if rain comes down, you see that line up there, the, the, the landscape and, and the pitch of the, of the landscape and the mountains, whatever, if, if water lands on one side, it'll, it'll flow this way. If it lands on the other side, it'll, it'll flow this way. A drop of water landing on the west of the line, they say, will flow all the way toward Yellowstone or Colorado or the Columbia or into the Pacific at some point. Uh, and so, and so it, if, you, if it flows on the, on the east side, it'll flow toward Missouri, Mississippi, and finally the Gulf of Mexico. So that's how, that's how that water table and that continental divide breaks that up. And so theoretically what they say here, two drops Two drops of water might have landed inches apart, but the continental divide resulted in destinies that is separated, if, if you will, by thousands of miles. Now, don't you think about that just a little bit. When you think about that from a spiritual standpoint, a little line concerning our prayer life, when we pray, presents us with a spiritual divide, depending on which side of the line we fall, whether we pray, whether we don't pray. When you think about that destinies are at stake when we pray or we not pray, right? Families, you know, may be at stake. Relationships may be at stake. Only here, like the drops of water, we can have an impact on where we come down, where we pray and how we are praying. Now, I gotta, I'm just going to be open with you, and you know me. I'm honest with you. There's moments that I pray, Sister Ruth, that I get up and I think, well, that didn't do no good. Boy, that didn't, that didn't, even, that didn't even get past the roof, Right? I've, I've, I've felt that way before. Now, I hope God doesn't view it, view it that way, but that's the way I viewed it. <laughs> it just, it just it didn't do no good whatsoever because I didn't feel like I had any impact in the spirit realm. But God knows my prayers. God knows my thoughts, and he knows your thoughts, and he takes those things, and he uses those to his glory. But we've got to be careful of how we pray, the seriousness of our prayer. Even before we begin to pray, we're confronted with a choice. We're confronted with a choice, to pray or not to pray. That's the choice. That's the question. It seems like a simple thing, but, it, but, it, but, it, it, but it's not so simple at times. <clears throat> to pray or not to pray. Prayer is not easy, as I told you before. It does not come natural. When you, when you think about his disciples, as I told you, it wasn't natural for them to hang with Jesus that hour to pray. They fell asleep. He come back to them. He woke them up and said, guys, you know, hang with me here. Let's pray. They fell asleep again. Matter of fact, they were sleeping when the crowd came. He had to wake them up, you know, because they could not. The flesh, he said, the, 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 the spirit is willing. But the flesh 
is weak. We all have been there. There's, there's times I'll get down to pray. My spirit is willing. Lord, I want to I connect with you. I want to get down and I want to be able to say, our Father, and you just entered the place. You just entered the room. I want to be able to get to that relationship, God, that I, you know my voice and I know your voice and, and everything is cool and, and we get together. But I'm going to tell you, <laughs> there's times where it feels like my prayer doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere. So I want us to look at this tonight on this Lord's Prayer. This first line here says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this word down. Write the word identity. Identity, our Father. Number one, we've got to know who he is. We've got to identify who Christ is. We've got to identify him. We live in a world, we live in a culture where when you say God, it can mean anything. I mean, it could, it could, it could go a lot of different places with God. It gets a little more specific with Jesus. But when you say God and you have all these people, matter of fact, I watched a show the other night that had all these different religions. And everybody had their religious garb on, if you will. Had their religious priestly robes on, if you will. They got up and they prayed some great prayers. Wonderful prayers, but not one of them uttered the name Jesus. Not one of those guys. They'd always say God. They would say God here and God that and God this and God we thank you. Wonderful prayers, but no mention of Christ, Jesus, and what he'd done on the cross of Calvary for us. Now, I don't know how you feel about it, but, and, and I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm a, Trin, I'm a Trinitarian. I believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I'll tell you, I think there's something significant when we pray in Jesus' name. Very something significant that we pray in his name because Jesus is the one that come and done the work for us. He's the one that came and shed his life. He's the one that shed his blood. He's the one that hung on the cross. He's the one that went to the tomb. He's the one that was, it was Jesus that done these things for us. It's Jesus even tonight that when we get in trouble and we call upon his name, that we, 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 we ask forgiveness or whatever, Jesus, you know, you can picture this in your mind's eye, looks at the Father and he looks back and says, hey, that blood is still flowing tonight. God, I died for that person. We need to forgive him. Amen. He's doing, he's continually doing that work, continually doing that work. So we need to identify this. Not only that, but we need to identify who we are. Who am I? Who are you? Where did you come from? At some point, we all, we all wonder and we think about these, we think about these questions and, and maybe we're like this little boy who come running into the kitchen one day and after school and ask his mom this question. He said, Mom, where did I come from? Any mom has ever been asked this before? Where did I come from? Her face uh, flushed a little bit. She stammered and, and, and stuttered a little bit. And, and finally, after a few, few uh, false starts, she began uh, talking to this little boy about the birds and the bees. And she talked to this little seven-year-old boy and told him all about these things. And her son stood there and didn't say a word. His eyes got wider and wider the longer that conversation went with the mom. And he was just, you know, he, was, he looked very interested. He just soaked up every word. She finally stopped and he says, she says, now, son, do you have any questions? He said, yeah, that's all very interesting, but there's, a, but there's a new boy in my class, and he said he come from Cleveland. I just want to know where I come from. <laughs> Sometimes we ask, we ask God those kind of things, you know, expecting a different re- kind of result concerning our prayer life or whatever. But the Lord's Prayer, for, it forces a divide in us. It, it, we, we identify who he is, the, our Father. He's our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. It's not Buddha. It's not Muhammad. It's, it's not Harry Christian. It's not these other gods. Not these other religions. It's Jesus who is our Father. And so we, it, it, it identifies us. It tells us where we come from. It, it tells us all about our creation. It tells us, when you think about it, who we are and how we originated and all of that when we, when we pray this prayer. 
And, 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 and it answers the question, does he care for us or, or does he forget about it? Well, he's our father. And we all know what a good father represents. We know what father means to us. I remember my dad as a father growing up. Yeah, there were times that he whooped me. I probably needed all of them, Sister Pamela, but he whooped me. He, he took care of those things. Yeah, there were times he got on to me. Matter of fact, he got on to me Sunday. Did y'all notice that? I'm going to put him on the spot here. I, didn't, I forgot to announce something he wanted me to announce about the prayer thing on Monday. And I'm coming over here, and I come down off the stage, and I was standing here just enjoying the Lord, minding my own business. You remember that? He come over here, and, and he give me one of them looks like I remember when I was a little boy. And I said, yes, sir, I'll, I'll make that announcement. <laughs> now, now we, I didn't think a whole lot about it, but it tickled me a little bit because he, he wanted to make sure that I, that I announced this prayer because to him, him and Brother Kyle, they're over the prayer, so it was an important thing. It was an important announcement, and it is. Prayer is an important thing. I just made that announcement again for you. Is that all right? Okay. We'll make sure. So the Lord's Prayer forces, forces us in, in who we are and, and a direction and our identity and all of those kind of things. Second thing, it says this. He says, Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as it is in heaven. When you look at this, when you think about this, we all know the word. We all understand the word hope. Every one of us has hope. We need to have hope. As long as there's still time, we need hope, and there is hope in our life. Pastor, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Oh, yeah, we hope that, we, you, hope that you do. We hope that God is going to come. We hope you know, there's, we can hope on those things. And, and, and that identifies those things. There's two kinds of people in the world. And you know this already, those that have hope and those that don't have hope. Have you ever met anybody that those that doesn't have hope? They're miserable. They have no direction. They, have no, they, don't, know what, they don't know what to do. They, they've lost their hope. They've lost, they've lost, in essence, the best way I know how to describe it, they've, they've lost their identity of who they are. They've lost something that they've, that they've held on to. They've lost it. They've lost holding on to it. This afternoon, Sophie was in the, in the office, and I had to go upstairs and get some stuff. And, I, and Sophie's Kim and David's little girl. And I said, Sophie, you want to go upstairs with me? And, uh, and we'll find this piece of paper that I'm looking for. So, yeah, I'll go past her with you. So she marches with me, and we go up the stairs of the baptistry here. And, and she follows me. She goes right up the stairs. But when she was coming down, all I said was, be careful and not fall. Because she was going first. All of a sudden, she turned and said, Pastor, hold my hand. Now, that may not mean anything to her other than pastors just going to hold her hand and going to keep her from falling. But it spoke volumes to me because this little child identified and understood, hey, this guy, pastor, has got my hand, so I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I am not going to fall. Hallelujah. Can I tell your heavenly father, every time you need him to hold your hand, he's there. Don't lose hope. Don't lose your, your grip on, on, on what God has ministered to you and blessed you with. Hold on to him. Sometimes you've got to squeeze a little harder, don't you? You've got to squeeze a little harder because the grip sometimes is breaking loose. And you've got to hold on, but hold on to your hope. You've got to believe that life is for you. It's not against you. God's for you. He's not against you. You've got to understand that he controls our destiny. He controls our direction. He controls who we are. He controls what we think. <clears throat> Excuse me, and all these things. We must hold on to him. Everything comes through him, through the Lord's Prayer. And we understand that it's a, it's a fundamental uh, 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 difference, if you will, if, if I know where my God is, or at least I don't know where he is. I have hope, I don't have hope. And so we, we, have, we have to work at that. The Lord's Prayer stands on this foundation of belief that, that, that we believe in a sovereign God who's alive. He's not dead. He's not on the cross. 
He's not in the tomb. It's empty today. Hallelujah. It's empty today. He resurrected. He's alive tonight. He's making intercession for you and I. We have, we have that hope. We have that hope. Last month in September, we know we, we come through this, what they, what they claim to be a prophetic month, and there was a lot of things that was taking place. A lot of things taking place, and there's a lot of people thought Jesus was coming. Matter of fact, I read an article uh, today that thought today was going to be uh, uh, the end of the world. It's going to be annihilated. It's going to be all kind of just messed up. You know, well, so far we're still here. No man knows the time. No man knows the hour. I believe we need to look at those signs. We need to look at some things, but we don't need to get off on a tangent somewhere of looking at this and look at that. Some things, they're pretty neat, and, and they're interesting to look at and study. But look, our job is to be ready. Our job is to be looking. Our job is to wait patiently, to seek the Lord, to work today as if tomorrow never comes. Amen. And so if we're going to do that, and I've asked you this over and over again, if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt by 8 o'clock in the morning, if you knew exactly that Jesus was going to come back at 8 o'clock in the morning, how would your life be different? What would you do different? What, would you talk to any family members? Would you talk to any friends? Would you try to share with them the message? Of, how would it be different? I, I, I believe it'll be, it should be a little different in our, in our life, wouldn't it? We'd want to make sure that everybody was ready to go. I'd done it even myself last month. I don't know. I just got feeling like I need to make sure my kids was ready to go. So I called them up. Hey, Adam, be ready. The Lord could come today. I say, Pastor, you may have scared them slapped to death. I don't care. They might need to be scared sometimes. Because both of them said, when I said it, Daddy, why, why, why are you asking me that? I wanted them to make sure that they know that, they're, that Jesus could, and he could. Abby called her up and said, hey, sister, just want to let you know. She called one night. She calls us every night right before bed. And, and I said, hey, are you ready to go? Should Jesus come tonight? She says, is he coming? I said, well, I don't know. He could come. But are you ready? Are you ready? Should he come? I, I, and she, she, sort, of, she sort, of, sort of made it a little... Uh, a uh, little funny thing. She said, oh, yeah, hallelujah. I said, no, I'm serious, Abby. If Jesus comes tonight, are you ready? I, wanted, I, I didn't want to make it a fun thing. And I, I know she didn't mean anything derogatory or anything like that, but I wanted, I wanted her to know that she knows that she knows. If Jesus comes, you're in Fayetteville. I'm over here in Blyville all the way across the state. Are we going to meet one another when we get in the air? You understand what I'm saying? So would, would our life change? Would we do anything different? if we knew that the master would come. Because you guys, you know this already. The truth about it is he could. He very well could come by 8 o'clock in the morning. Are we ready? Are we ready? And so we have that hope, and we hang on. We hang on to that hope. The third thing is this. The Bible says, give us this, give us this day our daily bread. And, uh, and, and it talked a little bit. You know, when I think about it, it talked a little bit about security. Where, where does that security come from? Now, we talked a little bit before service about, about the men's meeting and, and, uh, and, and, and Caleb going over to the Smoky Mountains and we're gonna, everything's going to revolve around the food thing. You know, we, we talked a little bit about that. And I, and I pick a lot about that. But really, guys, we will eat good. But if, if, if I, if sometimes if I put my security in where my next meal comes from, I might get in trouble a little bit. Let me ask you this question. How many of you over this past month in September... Or even before, how many of you have, have got a little storage place, a little thing in your house where you've got maybe extra bottles of water or extra canned goods and extra things like that in your house? Let me see your hand. How long have you all done this? How long have you done this, if you don't mind telling me? For a long time, Sister Ruth? Long time? Anybody else? Brother David, long time? I, we, we've got this little room in our house that used to be, a, when the house was built, it was, we called it a dining room. Then it became a bedroom. Now it's become a store, a playroom. Now it's become a storage room. Now it's my survival room. 
And so we pick with one another, me and Mildred and, and Karen, around the house because I'll go home in the afternoon and we might run out of a, uh, in, the, in the cupboard where we keep the normal canned goods, we might run out of a can of corn or a can of green beans or tomato sauce, those kind of things. Well, we got that in that little survival room. And I'll go in there and the box has been open in my survival room. And Mildred has went in there and she's stolen my can of corn, green beans, or tomato sauce. I said, Mildred, I cannot survive if you keep going in there stealing my stuff. You, you don't go to the survival room and steal the survival stuff. We may need it, you know. And we laugh about it. We pick at one another. But, but everyone, and that's not, that's not a bad thing to do because I'm going to tell you, and this is not my message, but I, boy, I feel compelled just to stop here and, and long enough to say this. I will tell you, we, we'll wake up tomorrow. We may not know America as we used to know it. We may not understand the changes and all the things that has taken place like we, like we used to know it. You understand what I'm talking about? There's things happening now that they don't, they don't put in print. They don't put across the television set, but it's going on all of the time. And so there's nothing wrong. You're not, you're not going against God by, by having a little survival room. It's probably a good idea to do that. Let me ask you this. No, I ain't going to ask you that. Some of you feel like I might come visit your house and rob you or something. How many of, I'll go ahead and ask you anyway. How many of you got a little money put aside somewhere? Cash. Y'all look around. Look at whose hands is up. <laughs> I do too. You know, we all, we, we've, we've all, you know, just to make sure that you, you know, and, and so far, so far, Mildred hadn't bothered that. So far, she just touches the green beans and the corn and the tomato sauce. Tomato sauce, so I've got it hid pretty good. I guess. <laughs> no. But there's nothing wrong with that. But our hope doesn't rely on those canned goods. Our hope doesn't rely on that little bit of money maybe that you've got put aside somewhere. Our hope and our security is in the Lord. Amen? It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, we, we, have to, we have to face life. And, we, and sometimes we have to face life whether we worry and that we choose to worry or we choose not to worry. One of, those, one of those kind of things. And to pray this prayer says that we have chosen to trust in the hand of God and not worry about the outcome. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day. I don't think Jesus. I don't think Jesus could have uttered this phrase without the hearers thinking when they read the, read this. And I've done the same thing without the hearers thinking about the manna that came every day from heaven. That He fed them. They went out and they gathered what they needed every day. Every day God ministered to them. Every day for those forty years, God blessed them and He kept them. You ever thought about? You know the, how, how shoes and clothes. Apparently, I don't know if they wore out or they just made. I don't know how that happened, but apparently they didn't have no stores to go to. I guess not anyway. But, but, all, but God just managed to, to allow things to work and grow with, with individuals as they, as they went through life. What a miracle-working God. And, 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 and every day that God provided for the people, the Hebrew could gather only one day's supply. That was the law. That was, that was what was taught, except on the day before the Sabbath. And each day's supply was new. Every day was a fresh uh, supply from the hand of the Lord. Why, why did God provide for them this way? Moses would later explain, he said, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The Lord was teaching them. All, all while that was going on, God was steadily teaching them some things. When you look in the book of Proverbs, chapter 30, verse 8 and 9, there's a guy by the name of Lemuel there. And he, he, he understood this principle. And, and this is what it says. It says, keep falsehood and lies from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Give me only my daily bread. 
those things that's allotted to me, what you want choosing to give me each and every day. Now, you, you know as well as I know, we've got folks in our world that's money hungry. They want, they're, they're material hungry. They want everything at, at uh, you know, any, everything that they can get. But it, how many knows you ain't going to take none of that stuff with you? Not going to take none of it with you. None of it with you. It doesn't mean anything. Is money good, Pastor? Yeah, it's good because we need it to, for the ministry of the, of the kingdom. It takes money to operate. It takes money to do some things. It takes money to run your household. It takes money to put clothes on your back and shoes on your feet and food on your... We understand that. But when money and those things begin to be our God, when those material possessions begin to mean more than what, what the Lord means, that's where we get into a little bit of trouble. That's where we're sort of sidestepping and we fall in that continental divide on one way when we should be falling the other way. Are you following me? From a spiritual standpoint. Because everything that we have, everything that I have today belongs to God. Have, y'all, have you settled that in your heart right now? Everything that I've got belongs to God. I don't have nothing that God can't have. Are you following me? Why do you, why do you say that, Pastor? Because you worked hard for this and you've done this. I'm going to tell you something. God could have put me in the bed. God could have took me out. There's some, there, you know, I, he could have allowed the enemy to come in like, like he did Job you know, and, and take everything from me. How, how would you like that to happen to you? I wouldn't want that to happen to me. wouldn't want that to happen at all. I was, I, was, I was upset the other day. I, I, I'll tell this, and, and I, we've, I've laughed a little bit, but I actually I got a little aggravated too. Abby, she got in touch with us this, this, this first this week, Sister Jeanette. She said she was getting ready for school, and she got, went outside, and she noticed outside there was two or three police officers there that was outside, and there was this wrecker and had her car up on the wrecker, get, getting ready to tow it off. And she says, I, I really didn't know what to do and, and because, really, she was parked in the wrong place. There was a little sign there, but she didn't see the sign, from what I understand, anyway. And, and, and all the while we've been there, there's been people that was parked in this, in this little curve. And what happened, there was a semi-truck that come down that road. He couldn't get around the curve, so he called the law and turned her in. They come and picked her car up, and she come out at the same time and had her car on the, on the record. They finally unloaded the car, but not before she paid him $85. But not only that, that was that, I could understand that because the folks, they, they earn, make their living. But the police officer there, what, and this is what aggravated me, give the little girl a ticket for parking in the wrong place. We'll say, well, Pastor, she done wrong. That's true. That's true. But that's cold. That's just cold. Little old bitty pretty little thing up there all by herself. Ain't got mom and daddy up there. and Already having to pay $85 you know, to get the car off. Now they want to give her a ticket. And, I, and I'm getting the ticket. It's coming to my house. I don't have a clue how much the ticket is. I'll be preaching that next Wednesday night. But anyway. <laughs> and so, so the flesh side of me will say, I, I want somebody I can go fuss at just a little bit. Not that, I would, not that it's going to do any good, but say, why couldn't you just give the little girl a, a warning or something? And next time, she'll understand. She ain't never been away from home. She don't know where she can park. She don't pay attention to that stuff. She will now. You're right. She will now. But Lemuel said, give me, uh, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Just give me my own daily bread. Everything that Abby has or I have or you have, it simply belongs to the Lord. Amen. So we've got to give it all. We've got to give it all to the Lord. Give it all to him. Philippians 4, uh, uh, 12 and 13, Paul echoed the same thing. He said, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I understand it. I understand how it is. I've learned in the secret of being content in any and every situation, he said. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Who gives me strength. I can do everything in him who gives me strength. That's the New Living, uh, New International Version. To truly pray the Lord's Prayer is to simply declare. It simply declares that our security lies in the hand of the Lord. 
Our security lies in his provision. He is our provider, is he not? He is our giver. He is our keeper. He's the one that watches out after us. Everything that we have, to truly pray that prayer is simply to declare, God, everything that I have is yours. Everything that I am, everything that I'm not. Everything that I am, everything that I'm not. Let's pray this prayer. I I want you to say this prayer with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.